In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the Daily Memphian Tigers podcast. I'm Jonah Jordan, the Memphis Tigers football beat reporter, and today I'm joined by Drew Hill, who covers basketball for us. We were both at Football Media Day yesterday, talking to players, talking to coaches, talking to people. Uh, what, were you, what were your impressions, Drew? I thought it was a really fun day because a lot of the guys, I mean, it just feels like it's harder to get to know every single one of the football players because there are so many players on the team. And to meet all of those guys, there are some really incredible stories on oh, yeah. this football team Absolutely. that people don't know about behind the scenes. And to get to to talk to every kid at length and get to hear sort of how they ended up at Memphis and what they've been through to, to get to this point was really cool because I don't think you can get that experience in an interview after practice or whatever. No, it's but, really hard. Yeah. Like the hardest thing or the best thing that they do with media days that they put you in a room by yourself and we're getting one-on-ones with these guys and it was me you and jeff and it's us and not 18 other media people which is what you have after practice you're fighting for to get a question in you're fighting okay can i say this for my story or is somebody else going to write this because it's you know it is a little bit competitive um but in this situation and that's why i love media day is that you get to meet these guys or in some cases i've known these guys for a while um get to just talk to him again. How's their summer? What all do they do? What has changed since January? Is there anybody that particularly impressed you? Because for me, it was definitely Brady White. I mean, I, I just, I had not seen Brady White that comfortable yet to listen to Brady White talk in that setting was pretty cool. Um, I, I'll never forget. I mean, I'm sure you remember my first question I ever <laughs> asked Brady White at a football game. He just told me, I'm not going to answer that. I asked him to grade his performance. Who were they playing in that first game last um, year? Was that the Georgia State game? I don't know, but he tore it up. I mean, he had an awesome game. And so I figured, you know, he was going to say, oh, I played pretty well. And he just was like, shut it down. <laughs> I'm not answering that. But to have him come back yesterday and just be so open was pretty cool. It's interesting to me sort of the way that he's changed and his attitude because people I, keep telling me it's not different but well in 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 general I just think that he has he's very accepting of um just what it takes to be a quarterback because and maybe this is a hot take in this city I think he catches too much heat oh, over, he does. over stuff that really I mean, the guy's nothing but productive all the time, and people just find ways to try and complain about it. And his attitude about all that, the, he, you know, he basically just came out and said, well, it's part of playing quarterback. You know, yeah. sometimes you look at what people say and you go, uh, well, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Um, and it bothers you, but you can't let that happen. And, and I thought that was the coolest, the coolest thing about Brady yesterday. And he, to me, I think he'll admit, that, you know, at times last year, he wasn't good enough. I mean, he had an ankle injury that he talked to about a little bit yesterday that hampered him throughout the season. Um, but he's never been one to go up to the podium after a game where he's not played well and be like, yeah, I killed it. He'll tell you when he's not playing well. He'll tell you, yeah. I think it was after the Wake Forest game, he came up and was like, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't. And he he's very honest. He's open. 
he's a lot like his head coach in which he's not going to lie to you. He's, he may not answer a question that he doesn't like, but he's not going to lie to you when he starts talking. Um, I thought he was very interesting. I thought Obina Eze, very interesting as well. Um, he's going to start at left tackle this year. And this is going to be his first year. I mean, he's Memphis's highest rated recruit. He, <laughs> like, people have been waiting for this for a long time. He hasn't been good enough to go on the field. And he was really honest as to why, though. He said it's always been between the ears. It's not physical. It's always... Uh, between his ears, and he said that a lot of guys are genetically g- great for Norvell's offense, but they don't have the minds to do that, and that's something he's had to catch up on. Norvell touched on all this in general and and sort of what it takes to keep the, keep up this sort of momentum that's been going or appears to be going in the right direction over and over and over again. But it just, it just feels like when you talk to all the guys, and correct me if you didn't get this vibe, they've, they came up short the last two years. And that's, that's the obvious part of all this. They lost in the championship games. But it just doesn't feel like you, you wouldn't suspect that at all talking to them it's like well yeah it, they're not afraid to say we lost we yeah. probably deserve to lose although that's arguable <laughs> um and it's it's just pretty it's it's nice to hear them acknowledge what it what's happened in the past and say look it's not going to happen again i promise like i forget who it was it was, was bryce it, huff. it was bryce huff it was like it there will not be a third time yeah which is we which asked is him pretty, about um losing to ucf and he said that it won't. It's not going to happen again. He, I think they, they took those losses really hard, especially the last UCF one. Um, I was surprised they were able to bounce back for the Wake Forest game like they were, considering how hard they. I mean, guys were crying. People, we weren't allowed to do media in an actual media room, and in Orlando we had to do it out in the concourse. Shout out to UCF. Um, guys were walking through the concourse to the bus crying like am i gonna i don't want to say any names because they'll get mad at me uh one in particular but um they're pulling their eyeballs out like brady white was visibly upset people had to take a minute before they could talk to us guys like they took that very hard and you wouldn't notice that sticking with them it sticks with them in a way of we don't want that to happen again but we're not going to let it ruin this season yeah i mean and i just thought in general um, I, I mentioned this before, but the vibe was was not that they had just come off of a, a, a disappointing season where they went to the Birmingham Bowl. It was more, okay, we were right there last year. We were right there, and it's just going to take a little bit more to get over the hump. And I want to go back to Brady White because I think he's the difference. Like, I mean, he is the he he will be the reason, in my opinion, they win or lose this conference and. To hear the like one of my favorite things that he that he mentioned to me or, or that he just answers that he said in general is that as a you know as a quarterback you hear this criticism but if people are mad at me imagine how I feel imagine how I feel after I go out and throw two interceptions there's nobody more mad at him than himself, himself. oh yeah that's what I said last year is that nobody takes this harder than Brady nobody well there's one person who takes harder losing harder than Brady and that's Norvell like. The people don't understand is that these guys don't leave the games and they're not like, oh, we lost, but you know, I'm Brady White, I'm going to be happy. It's Brady White gets on the bus and he starts watching film immediately. I've been trying to follow Brady White around 
for a while now, you know, do a little embed story on Brady White. But every time I ask, it's, I mean, people are like, well, that's going to be the most boring story. All he does is watch film. Literally, he goes to class, he watches film. That's another he part. He eats tacos that. with his offensive <laughs> lineman, which was the other the that other part fantastic. of the story, which is that Brady White very recently uh, had his yeah. offensive line over to his house and bought two nights before a lot of tacos. Two nights before they left for the Birmingham Bowl, he was in Kenny or he was in the offensive coordinators. I think it was vacant at that point because Kenny was Kenny Dillingham was gone, but he was in someone's office watching film until twelve at night. I mean, that's just who he is. He's he's going to be prepared. I don't think the season necessarily rests on his shoulders because I think he can have as great of a season as he did or better, and you may get to the same place because I think it rests on the offensive line and replacing Daryl. Not even replacing Daryl, maybe even replacing Tony. If you can replicate what Henderson or Pollard did, I think you'll be fine. But I just I think it's so hard to replace like replicate what Daryl Henderson did. So who are the candidates to replace the Daryl and Tony on, on offense? Who are who are the playmakers going to be? Obviously we we know about Patrick Taylor, but who else on top of that? So you got three guys that people need to know right off the rip. You got Travion Samuel, who TBD on didn't he's a transfer from Troy who everyone loves. They're like if this guy plays and that's a big it. Like, there's an if there for a reason. If this guy plays, he's going to be a stud. You got Why Ky- is there an if? I think there are some questions around his eligibility at the moment. Um, I don't know if that's been sorted out or not. In all honesty, I think I'll find out today at practice. Um, that'll be one of the big questions I have from Ravel. Um, Colin Watkins, who they love. Um, he's a, he's going to be in a very similar role as Tony Pollard. They, those These three guys all can run and play in the passing game. These are guys that can be a Tony Pollard-like in a Kenny game. Kenneth Gainwell, he wants to go by Kenneth now. I think Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a stud, but I've been saying that since last year. And People were kind of like, come on, man, get out of here. And then, so those are guys that are going to make plays in the run and pass game. Then, and just purely run game, Tim Taylor, who we've been waiting on Tim Taylor. Um, he's a Memphis product. He's been, people have been waiting on him to hit the scene for a long time. He's finally going to have a chance and we'll see if he can he can have a Patrick Taylor like resurgence or not resurgence, but if he can emerge like Patrick Taylor onto the scene a little bit. And then a freshman running back, Rodriguez Clark from Mississippi, Starkville native, who I think by all indications he's really really good. So who is it in in I mean I know you mentioned the the run game is the style on offense going to change at all? Is it because you don't have Daryl Henderson. You didn't no. like the style. I feel like is going to. But have you also to don't have the same degree. offensive line. That's the other thing is you don't have that offensive line that's going to be super highly graded by the um, Pro Football Focus at the beginning of the season. That like they had a top five offensive line last year. Drew Kaiser, Travante, Roger Joseph were awesome. Dustin Woodard was probably one of the best offensive linemen in the nation. That is. I mean, I don't think that is really a debate. I think if Dustin Woodard were four inches taller, he probably would be a top. He would be a be drafted in the first three rounds. Like, I don't think there's any debate about that. I mean, he's five eleven though, so there's a problem. Um, that guy shut down Ed Oliver every single time he played. But he's transitioning to center. You got three new guys starting, one of which is Obina Eze. 
Scotty Dill, who played on and off, will start at right tackle, and then Manuel Arona Lopez, Manny Arona Lopez is going to be at right guard, and then Dylan Parham will be a uh, left guard. But that's the big question. I mean, are as good as Daryl Henderson was last year, he had holes that I could drive my car through. That is, and that is not an exaggeration. I've actually gone back and looked. Like he did, he legitimately did. And he, if you get a guy like that to the second level, he's going to make a play. But can they replicate that? I don't know. I guess. I guess the question. I, maybe I should have phrased it, phrased it this way to begin with. Is do you think they're going to throw the ball more as a result of not having so, Daryl Henderson? They came into last year thinking, okay, we're going to do what we did with Riley and Ant. It's just going to be Brady White and Demonte. And it worked for the it, first first game at least. Against Mercer, it, it worked. Up. Yeah. Navy, it became pretty clear. Okay, well, Brady, in his defense, Brady was banged up in that game. That's when his ankle problems kind of started. I'm not going to give him excuses, but they still had a chance to win that game. If Patrick Taylor doesn't fumble like he did, you probably win. And then Georgia State, they kind of did the same thing. And then I don't remember if it was until after the two-lane game where they were just like, okay, we're going all in on the run. We can't do this where we're passing like this. Like, Daryl's great, but we need a different kind of attack. And that's when they kind of just started feeding the ball to to Patrick. And I don't know if they're going to do the same thing this year. I just – I don't think anybody really does. Um, they talked about it a lot in the spring. Identity, identity, identity. They don't know what they're going to look like, but – you know, so is is Kenny Gainwell your pick for the person who's going to surprise people the most? He ain't going to surprise me. I mean, I mean, just in general. Not in you. general, okay. So let's back up a little bit. Against the two lane, against two lane, can you guess how many carries Patrick Taylor had? You want me to guess? Yes. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Uh, Eighteen. Two. Oh, I. Well, I. You know, he. What was interesting to me was that Norvell said. Um, yesterday, because he was asked the same question about Patrick Taylor, he said he was a twenty to twenty-five carry guy last year, and that's what he is again this year. He passed over twenty-three times last year, but after the two-lane game, he didn't carry him less than 10, 11 times. So the philosophy clearly changed. There was a clear shift, and I don't know if that shift is going to keep up because you don't have Daryl Henderson. So I expect. That do you start with the same offense as uh they will probably Patterson start they'll probably start that way with Kenny Gainwell, Kylan Watkins, and Travion Samuel kind of making plays out in the passing game. DeMonte Cox is gonna be your long passer. Sean Dykes is gonna spend a lot of time in the seam. Joey Magnifico is gonna be making plays at tight end. This is gonna look different than any offense we've seen under Norvell, though. And he but I feel like you could say that every year, right? Every I mean, year. He just adjusts. He the re they use this slogan, our offense is built for playmakers, because he's he's not lying. He does. He adjusts, he adjusts his scheme to personnel a lot. Like, sure, I think in a, in a perfect world, he would go out and just be like, okay, that guy's the quarterback I want. That guy's the, the wide receiver I want. But we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a, perf- a world where Memphis has to recruit a little bit differently. So I think he does have to adjust some things on the fly sometimes. So uh, switch to defense. We talked to a lot of defensive guys, too. I know you really expect Bryce Huff to have a huge season. Is the, Who on defense, who are your impact players? Can you just go over them? And also, where do you think 
sort of the strengths and weaknesses are, Norvell felt like his defense is going to be much improved. Oh, it's going to be much improved, but I'm like, that's not saying a ton, to be honest, because they were so bad at times last season. Uh, that's what I was thinking. In um, my head. The weaknesses, linebacker. You lost Curtis Aikens, you lost Jackson Dillon. Uh, Tim Hart's going to expect to take a bigger role, but he was he was good at the end of last season. J.J. Russell will be as well. Um, but there are their questions there. Keith Brown, Keith Brown will be healthy. I'm interested to see how he does. Um, but I mean, like now, love you got a couple, you got a couple young guys. Josh Perry, Thomas Pickens will be stepping in behind Austin Hall in that kind of hybrid role. So is there is there a depth question? There's definite depth question at linebacker, but that's the, for the first time. That's the only real problem on defense is that they, they're loaded up on the defensive line, which somebody didn't realize last year is that they kind of had depth problems along that because of the hybrid position they played as well. Bryce Huff talked about that a little bit yesterday. He was expected to be a linebacker and a defensive end. The hybrid position. Yeah, the and hybrid position That, is, that is no more. That's the hybrid no more. position is no more. Bryce Huff is a straight defensive end. He is going to be rushing the passer, and they have the most depth along that defensive line than they've had since the year they won the uh, Miami Beach Bowl. They have the most talent. They they're going to get to the quarterback. Does the philosophy change at all? I mean, you I mean, you heard Bryce Huff mention there's no more hybrid positions. I think everybody in general is better suited to step up. Um, when somebody goes down in, in a specific position because you don't have a guy who's clearly a defensive end Playing trying to play yeah. hybrid and play linebacker and defensive end, how how is that philosophy going to change on defense? You know, I'm not sure, I'm honestly, because we haven't really talked to Adam Fuller about it a ton. Um, I think that the hybrid position is Austin Hall, obviously. He's going to be a linebacker slash safety, kind of be that roamer. Um, but he also told us he's going to be playing inside a little bit more, um, that inside linebacker position, because I think that they're going to miss a voice in the middle like Curtis Aikens. They are. I mean, he needs to step up. Austin will have to lead this defense. And he was pretty – I thought I enjoyed his interview yesterday. He was very open, very honest, very vocal about what he wanted and what he expected of the defense. But I don't know what they're going to look like, especially – in the secondary, but I don't think I'm answering your question. So I'm not, but I'm not sure. The other hot topic yesterday was uh, talking about guys like Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard and Anthony Miller and Jannard Avery and all these guys that have moved on to the NFL and about how Mike is going to get that next crop to the next level, right? Yeah. How many guys do you think? we have i'll let you be approximate with this walking walk walking across the stage Uh, at the end of this season i'm gonna say uh natalie's gonna get mad that i just blew into the mic um i'm gonna go three but the two of them are gonna surprise you okay let's hear them patrick taylor i think he he told us his draft grade from last year was from five to seven fifth to seventh um, I think he moves up into the third or fourth round. I think he, I think he'll be able to. He's gonna have a big year. He said that the biggest thing he needed to work on was his blitz pickups, which he is not not lying about. He definitely needs to work on that. He needs to be a little bit more consistent in some parts. He, especially the passing game, they they weren't able to throw to him in pass in the past sometimes. Then the other two, can you guess them? No idea. T.J. Carter and Chris Claybrooks. Oh, I thought you were going you were gonna go with Demonte. 
the problem with DeMonte is he seemed unsure. Like, I've talked to people who He's are, graduating, though. I yes, think that does have some, somewhat of an but impact. I don't know his draft grade, but big receivers like him who are kind of injury-prone, because he is. He has problems with his knees. He's had problems with his hamstrings. He's had problems, and he didn't have... He had a good season last year as a redshirt sophomore, but he has yet to take that next step to great. Anthony I, Miller got drafted because when Anthony Miller was double teamed, Anthony Miller still made plays. Anthony Miller still scored touchdowns. When they triple teamed him, he still scored touchdowns. DeMonte does not do that. I don't know if he's gotten I don't know if that's fair, though. I, I, I don't know if it is fair, but that's because the NFL I think draft last year last year the focus was never on him. He didn't get the ball as much as he as Anthony did. That's because he's he was double close. teamed. Right, right. But I mean they you don't want to mess up something that's working, which was handing no. it off to Daryl as much as possible. And so I think this year, without Daryl in the picture, he's going to be in so, a bigger year if he stays yeah, healthy. I think if that's he stays the, healthy. Big quel- the big I, question. If he stays healthy, DeMonte will get drafted. I don't think that's a question. So four. I'll go four. Okay. I'll let, you be, I'll DeMonte, let you be approximate. Chris, Chris Claybrooks and TJ Carter. Chris that would be a big draft for Memphis That would be a huge football. draft. I mean, I think T.G. Carter and Chris Claybrooks are going to be – I think I, I may just – Claybrooks is a guy that Norvell mentioned has been – maybe looked the best all spring. They think he's going to be an NFL spring and draft. fall. Yeah. He, they think he's going to be an NFL draft pick. They think he's fantastic. I mean, he moved from receiver to cornerback, kind of worked his way into the cornerback rotation throughout the year. He'll be returning kicks for them this year. But those two guys, if they leave, if they have the year that they're expecting – They'll be draft picks. I don't know how high they'll be. TJ's a little bit of on the shorter side, but I mean, they're very good. They're very good. You know who we didn't talk to yesterday that I wish we had? Who? Riley Patterson. That was the one that I thought we missed on. I thought I, I did, should ask. I him. did see him at the St. Jude uh, Celebrity Am golf event because he is interning for St. Yeah, Jude. Yeah, he is. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he and Preston Brady, right? Yep, yeah, both yep. of them. They're they're really tight. They're really tight. That specialist group has gotten really close. Um, your boy Adam Williams, he, they my love boy, him. yeah, yeah. Talk about somebody who could be in the NFL one day. I mean, he's very good. I know he is. He's like my like he. I have no problem admitting that he's my yeah. favorite player on the team. I do wonder if people are going to miss. Speaking of specialists, speaking of special teams, miss Tony Pollard on the return team. Like that's been a luxury for a long time that people. I guess have just gotten used to and don't realize is kind of going well, away. You are setting me up to perfectly plug my story this morning in the Daily Memphian, which is about Pop Williams, obviously a punt returner, returner, and I don't know if he'll his, return kicks. His uh, his come up, I guess, in New Orleans, uh, the tragic death of his brother at a Mardi Gras parade in a vehicle accident, and. Um, his family's house was hit by a couple of hurricanes and sort of how when Mike Norvell was recruiting him, um, helped him through some of the tragedy and stuff that he had to um, endure during his during his childhood in New Orleans. And now here he is four years later, still playing, um, well, still communicating with Mike Norvell now on an everyday level and still playing for his family that's down in New Orleans, especially his little nephew's. Which one of the coolest parts of that story that I really enjoyed was him talking about how after he played his first ever game yep. for Memphis, he went home and his nephew just had on a Pop Williams <laughs> Memphis jersey, or it was a Memphis jersey that said Pop on the back, which was 
which was I thought was pretty awesome. But he's got his brother's face tattooed on his left arm. Yep. He's very proud of it and was really, really happy to speak to us at Media Day. And it really it like when you hear stories like that, it really makes you want them to, to succeed. Oh yeah. Well Pops had a very interesting Memphis career. I mean he didn't really play. He played in his first season, but only seven receptions for 79 yards, then a jump for 12 receptions to 145 yards. But that was in the, the year where Anthony Miller was going crazy. Uh, then started last year alongside DeMonte, 33 receptions, 304 yards, and two touchdowns. But he had that one really good punt return. He was a pretty consistent punt returner, I thought. Number two in total return yards in the FBS last yes. year. Really good punt returner. Yes. Not, just, not just good, really, really good punt but, returner. I do wonder if he'll take a leap on offense this year. He struggled to catch a little bit on crossing routes. He didn't seem to have a willingness. Not a. I think he was a little scared to go over the middle sometimes, it seemed like. And he did, I will say, he had one touchdown taken back, one probably his best touchdown of the year. I think it was against Navy where it was called back due to a penalty. I do wonder if he kind of develops as a threat because he'll be a starting receiver this year. Yeah, and he's the beauty of it all is that his whole life he's had to be down to do whatever yep. it took and now he's in this Mem- in this role in Memphis where Mike is going to ask him to play special teams he's going to ask him to block and he's just totally been accepting of it from the very first whatever day it takes. like like it is it's it's whatever it takes and he said last year he was blocking and he i mean 5 foot 9 pop williams was blocking hey I man mean, he's he's pop williams yeah he ain't five nine either, because I mean, we were looking each other in the eyes. <laughs> Maybe with his hair, he's five nine, but I respect it. But I, I'm, I hope he takes a leap. They could certainly use it. Anybody else on offense? You think, man, if he plays well, because I, I know my candidate for this. If this guy ends up the season with some gaudy touchdown numbers, I think I already said. Like, I, I think Demonte Coxey is going to be the guy. I've like, got a, I've got a hot take. I got a bold take. I've been, I've been, I put this one in the kitchen. I've been cooking it up a little bit, ready for you to go. Forty touchdown, forty-five touchdowns between three people. Patrick Taylor, Demonte Coxey, Joey Magnifico. Do you think they can do it? I think they could do it. Oh, I don't know about that. So I think they'll spread it around a little bit more than that. So last year. Patrick Taylor had 16. DeMonte Coxey had, let's see how many DeMonte Coxey had. I'm pretty sure he had seven. So that's 23. If, say, an uptick, say Patrick Taylor gets to 22, DeMonte gets to 10. That leaves 13 for Joey Magnifico. I think he could get, you're going to at least get to 40 between those three. I don't think so because I think that they're going to spread it around more and you're going to see other people score. And especially you got to realize they're going to play some bad teams early in the year. Exactly. And no, yeah, they might score a lot of points, but they're not going to leave Patrick Taylor in the game longer than they have to because there's no Patrick Taylor and Daryl Henderson anymore. There's Patrick Taylor, who's the clear bell cow back of this in the backfield this year. So I, I, Sean Dykes. That's great. If you add Sean Dykes to the mix, you get it. you get there because I think he's going to be a stud. I think they're going to do a lot of where they you weren't here in Memphis because you were out being in Alabama um, for the first UCF championship game where Demonte Cooksey or not Demonte Cooksey, Sean Dykes had a really good game because they threw him in the seam and said, "Hey, run straight. You're a tight end. You're going to have a linebacker on you. Get open." And he did, and he had such a successful game. And I think we're going to see a lot of that because we didn't see it last year. 
Anything else? Anything else stand out for media day for you? Not particularly, no. Um, any basketball happenings going on right now? Yeah, a couple things. First is that um, we are still unsure if the Bahamas trip <laughs> is going to be on TV. And I think that's very unsettling for a lot of people. Um, if I had to guess right now, you're going to be following along with the Daily Memphian quite a bit from the quite Bahamas because it's not going to be on TV and it's not going to be streamed. I'm really excited to go down there. The Daily Memphian is sending three people there, so we are very committed. Who's the third? Mark Weber, oh, photographer. The photographer. Jeff and I will all be down there bringing you the latest. I was about to say, are y'all sending me without telling me? I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> no. No, no. no you're, not, you're not getting a free trip to the Bahamas, <laughs> at a, a surprise trip to the Bahamas, but no. Um, it should be, that's going to be a lot of fun. I expect to see a lot of different combinations from Penny. I had a one-on-one interview with him last week from the golf event that I mentioned How'd before. How'd you manage that? I showed up before everybody else. The early bird gets the worm, Jonah. I like that. Yeah. I so like that. so I showed up and I talked to Penny about the Bahamas. You can go read the story on dailymemphian.com, but the gist of it essentially is that Penny feels like this is going to be a trip where he's not really interested in how people are running the offense. He's not really interested in uh, – and who even looks good, scores the most points, whatever. He wants to know who Go works to together and who's going to play the hardest. Yeah, well, I think he, fam- he famously said uh, before the Orlando trip last year that this is a business trip, but we're also going to do some <laughs> things. And so if, if you wanted to, uh, to describe my trip to the Bahamas that's coming up, it would pro- be fair to say that for me, this is a business trip, but I'm probably also going to do some things. Hold up. So. so, you're going to the Bahamas. How many games do they play? Four games. How long are you going to be there? I will be there Tuesday through Sunday. Okay. I'm not letting you take vacation then. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling somebody about this so-called vacation you're supposed to be taking in September. Yeah, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Okay. Because well. once, once, uh, once November rolls around, I'm like, buried in work until march so i don't want to hear i've earned it i've earned it jonah all right well okay i think that will wrap things up for today you can follow drew on twitter at drew hill underscore dm and me at underscore jonah jordan go subscribe to the daily memphian you can find the daily memphian podcast which are powered by the oam network anywhere you find your podcast whether it be itunes stitcher or spotify In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.